If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make your podcast. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's free. You pay no fee whatsoever. It's absolutely, totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And most of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Well, the most important thing is that you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Well, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and subscribe and make your own podcast. It's free. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maramber Homa, and I welcome you to listen to this podcast about narcissism in general, toxic relationships, and ways to deal with them and to save ourselves, but most importantly, seek self-evolution regardless of the abuse. I hope you enjoy and find this episode and the upcoming ones enjoyable and insightful in any way shape or form and i thank you very much for listening now let's get started so welcome everyone to a new episode of the podcast self-evolution regardless where we will continue with the previous episode uh part two of the uh narcissist will limit you Sorry, episode, and they will make sure that they limit you. So, uh, last example I mentioned was the social limitation distancing that they put on you, um, where they will even destroy your friendships, your potential friendships right in front of you. And I have plenty more examples to mention. One time when I was studying in uh, the middle school years, I had a friend who was really, you know, living close by and um, we would go together and, you know, uh, visit other friends and we would also go and play around. You know, it's all just for the sake of spending time with someone, you know, sharing stories with them, you know, having them share their stories with you and have fun and play around and it's just for the sake of, like, social connection with uh people who be your classmates you know if you want to help out with the homework together it's just you know something like that you know stuff like that that's really really ordinary and there's nothing really extraordinary about it or nothing really um there's nothing really like forbidden or unallowed or illegal about it but apparently everything you do that the narcissist um, sees that it's not about them, it's illegal and forbidden and haram in all the terms. So, back in the day, we I used to go visit her a few times, actually. And I would go to her house, and I would also invite her around, but she seems to be shy, and like she tells me, 
you know, I'm afraid of your dad, and your dad is, seems like a difficult person, and your mom is, I don't know, I'm not really sure about visiting you, but you're always welcome to visit me around. And I, when she told me that, I felt kind of sad because I really wanted, you know, I really wished one day, you know, my parents weren't so abusive and weren't so, like, strict around everything, and if only, like, they could be nice to the guests I had, you know, everything would be fine, and they would come over. But because of that, and because of their nature, <clears throat> nobody would want to come around, so, unfortunately. So I would go, and we would, you know, have fun playing and everything, and, um, and I always, like, I always go home early, it's either, it's either when the sun is about to set, or even earlier than that. But of course, it was never fair for my mom, for my narcissistic mother, because um, then, I remember right before I was about to go and ask her for homework, I think, she stopped me at the door, or was I going home already? I think I was going home. And she stopped me at the door, and she told me, where have you been? I was telling her, I was at my friend's house, you know, you, you you know her, and she lives here, and she's my neighbor, and you, you know that I go there, you know, I told you. So she didn't like that, obviously. Um, I don't know what went in their head at that time, but then um, I remember this statement resonating with me. And she told me, like, uh, are you about to have lunch? I said, yes, I think. I think I said yes. And she told me this statement. Um, is she going, is her mother your mother? Am I not your mother? Do you also enjoy eating at their house? Like that statement, like, how can I even describe it? Like, what the, what the fuck do you, like, what do you mean? What do you mean? For the one time that I go and have lunch at someone else's house because they're I wanted to make friends for once in my life, and now it's unfair for you because I'm eating their lunch instead of your garbage. Sorry, but like, what do you mean? And, um, it really, really just, you know, shook me what she said. I mean, why would she even say that? Because the one time that I eat lunch outside of, like, at someone else's house, well, a few times actually, but when I was that young, I was still a, a teen, trying to discover myself and grow and and be fucking social for my once fucking life. Because what happened in those years, uh, until even after college, actually. My teeth were terrible, and I had a huge overbite, and I have been 
Um, telling my stupid narc family that my teeth are not normal, that everybody has straight teeth, and that people with straight teeth look really much hotter and much more attractive, and, you know, when you smile, people look at you disgustingly, and I was always, always bullied at school because of how my teeth looked, and I was called, you know, buck, buck teeth, I was called, like, squirrel, what a squirrely, um, all types of name-calling and degrading, you know, adjectives and names because of my teeth. And it wasn't genetic at all. Uh, when I had asked my narc family about it, they told me uh, that you used to suck on your thumb all the whole time and then you got this overbite. So... And all that time when I was trying to convince them to give me braces, um, it was never possible. In fact, they gaslighted me a lot and telling me, my teeth looked fine, my teeth look fine, they look okay, they will change on their own. They literally told me that they will change on their own and they will be fixed and they will be okay. And you will, when you smile, it's fine. When you smell, uh, you look nice. And, uh, Obviously, obviously, I was never convinced by what they said because I knew that they were lying to me straight in my face. They just were too nice to tell me the fucking truth. Um, and basically, they told me what I wanted to hear, which, which was also something I didn't want to hear because I didn't want to be gaslighted to, you know, just tell me the fucking truth. Like, I look ugly and my teeth look terrible, which is why people keep bullying me everywhere I go and they don't look at me as much because my face and my teeth were not looking good. And it was this one time at high school, after a few years, a few years later, um, where Finally, finally convinced my mom, my narcissistic mother, to go to an orthodontist with me and get braces. And when I, when we actually went to an orthodontist and she was present while she was looking at my teeth and she was talking about the potential fees to pay and the treatment and how everything is going to go, she just got discouraged and she refused to pay even though it's not extremely expensive at all it's just basically like the first time you pay 500 uh, you know dinars and then it's uh, 100 each month until the treatment's over and it's pretty much pretty affordable but because again they had resources obviously and she had resources it was impossible for me to get braces because she just changed her mind and she didn't want to get me braces and she would still continue to gaslight me until i finally broke down and told my siblings about it and was really really stubborn about it this time and told them i'm mentally fucking ready can you put the fucking braces on my f teeth already i'm i hate my teeth everybody hates my teeth everybody makes fun of my teeth and i'm feeling really self-conscious and, and you know like uh 
so hyper aware of the fact that my teeth look ugly and I can't smile appropriately because I hate my teeth and I'm low on self-confidence and I told him everything like, you know, and finally I got the braces, yes, and I'm about to uh, take them off pretty soon actually, like by the end of the summer, hopefully in the, in the fall, maybe, if not any later. But yeah, I'm so, so happy that I finally got braces and that I finally am about to take them off because my gums have been struggling a lot and my teeth have been smaller than what they actually were because of like how much gum covers your teeth. And But yeah, generally I really, really love the process and I look so much hotter than I used to and I'm so fucking glad I did. I got braces. Like, oh my god. Whew. Um, so... Uh, so that was good news. Um, and see, that's the thing with narcissistic relationships. There are always ups and downs, and it feels like a roller coaster ride because the amount of love, attention, and care that they give to you is never consistent. So you expect to be treated, you know, one way when you're, when you've done this, and then you are gonna be treated Totally the opposite when you do the, when you disobey or when you uh, look for your freedom or when you're trying to escape or do something like that, or disagree or just anything that doesn't go along with the policies and laws of the narcissist. So previously you mentioned, um, oh, and uh, the last example I want to mention about social distancing. I, re I actually got physically beat up and this was like at the very senior year of my high school years, the baccalaureate. And um, and um, because I lied about something really stupid like the number of people who came around when when I went went on a date with my supposedly boyfriend at the time. Um, I mentioned names differently the f the second time because the first time I said a particular uh, amount of you know like a number of people would come and particular names and then the second time they asked who were you with I said different names I think and um when we went home, because of that stupid line, because of the fact that I, sorry, <laughs> I haven't eaten the thing and I was supposed to eat something, but then I waited until I would go home to eat something, have a dinner. I got beat up to the ground, pounded, you know, and just slammed, just slapped, basically and spanked a lot because of um, a stupid lie because it turned out I was going on it you know like a I was hanging out with my boyfriend at the time so yeah that's what you get from an narcissist that's their gift to you um and they would threaten me and they would tell me not to talk to him anymore, he would rape me, he would, <laughs> he would fuck me, uh, he would, like, 
assault me, I would be in terrible problems, sexually speaking. Because you know what, actually, and this, this also, this, by the way, uh, you know, um, is gonna lead me to the sexual limitation part. So because they threatened me uh, to disown me, basically, if I ever try to talk to him again, um, they were making these delusional and unrealistic uh, assumptions that he would rape me and he would fuck me and uh, I would be in huge trouble and one day I'm not going to be able to get married. The thing is, I felt like the focus was on sexual matters rather than my own fucking safety because, and and of course, their reputation and how their image is going to be to the world and who's going to marry me and the way that they're looking at my family because that's what they cared about. And um, so when I was interpreting what they said, obviously all they said is <laughs> freaking sexual, sexual... Um, you know, threats that I would be no longer a virgin, and that I would no longer be uh, someone eligible to get married because this person would fuck me and I would lose my virginity for... Which would never happen because my boyfriend at the time is my best friend today and we had a lot of stuff going on and we broke up because of my childishness and because of that, you know, um, because of my, you know, really, really innocent thinking and naive way of looking at boys and, like, just acting very, very innocently. Growing up in an environment where they would never talk to you about what a boyfriend is, what a relationship is, what you should do, what you should not do, just the normal stuff, you know. Everything is taboo. And when everything is taboo, you're expected to have the most wonderful experience. Everything is ideal. And then get married and life is over. <laughs> but, um, no, like, you're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not allowed to meet the wrong people in order for you to know the right people from the wrong people. And you know, like, who to date and who to avoid and etc. So... Nothing was discussable. Nothing was talked about. And in that cloud of unknown, you know, world of relationships, you're expected to go ahead and go with the world and know everything prior to even be able to know what the fuck's going on. So you're, you're expected to experience everything as you go, not having any background knowledge whatsoever. And that's how fucked up the system is. And to this day, even when we have something, even when my now best friend and I have something, it would be in our both, in both of our consent. consent. And we, we would never do anything to each other that's too violent or too, like, inappropriate. Because each and every one of us knows their boundaries. And so, like, he would respect my needs and wants and i would respect his needs and wants as well and that's how we've been together as best friends since like for okay since 2014 so like it's been six years 
And I am not gonna lie, I wanted to block him a lot of times because then he was in a already in a relationship and he moved on, but then I was scared of, I would be the third wheel and I hated to be a third wheel, so you know, I was really hesitant at the time with the emotional fucking abuse going on in the f- fucked up family of mine. So, um, and again, my flying monkey sister would come over and tell me, are you still talking to that guy that my mom, you know, punished you over? Are you still talking to that guy? He's already moved on. Why are you still with him? You know, he, he you're his ex and he's your ex. Why are you talking to each other and et cetera, et cetera. And so making me feel like I'm confirming the fact that I'm nothing more than a third wheel. But the reason why we're still talking is because he was insisting on the fact that we would still talk. Because we're not just exes, we're, we're best, we're technically exes, but we are, and we should label ourselves in each other as best friends, because of the fact that we have been supporting each other a lot. If he is struggling and stuck in something, I'd be the first one he talks to, and I would be, well, among the first people he talks to, and I would help him out as much as I can, and when I'm stuck and struggling and having hard times, he would be the first one I call, and he would be there for me unconditionally knowing how much i fucked up and knowing how many times i failed in this life still 24 years old but still i fucked up a lot and i made a lot of mistakes but still loves me unconditionally which is why i was convinced that 100 percent, no way that i will ever block him or stop contacting him or whatever that bullshit you know that they're trying to make me do and so, so how the narcissist does ruins your life is, socially speaking, they will destroy your friendships, especially if they see that there's a potential connection going on and that you're happy with that person or that you're becoming good friends with each other. They will destroy that from ever happening and they will prevent it from happening because then it's not about them it's about you they want to gang up against you and you're the problem you know as much as i want to be sarcastic about this it is obviously about them because they want the attention diverted back to them all the time um but also also they're gonna also blame you and criticize you and condescend you and judge you because they never want to see you happy and it's always about them and it's also about you when they want to gang up against you and they want to fight you and they want you to conform so that's that now on to the sexual limitation what happens in the sexual uh, limitation that a narcissist would do to their victims is say for example someone who is heavily heavily religious and conservative it would be a rampage a narcissistic rage over 
why or how you're talking to that person on sexual matters, how and why you're too young to know, how and why um, every single... If, if you're a guy or even if you're a girl, and I had this happen with my brother, I'll talk about it. Um, if you're a girl, they'll tell you you should preserve yourself, the perfect man is out there, you must be virgin, you must keep yourself, you know, protected. Every single guy, you know, it's as, it's as though every single guy you're gonna meet is gonna end up sleeping with you until you finally meet your husband with whom you're gonna sleep. And that's the problem, because it's always about that vagina when it comes to us girls. You know, it's. The, the, I feel like a lot of times my mom is literally speaking to me with her vagina and not her fucking mouth. Like, she would tell me stupid stuff that's like, you know, you have to be clean, you have to be virgin, you have to keep yourself, you have to maintain. I mean, I'm not against saving myself until marriage, of course. I would love to do that. But not to the point where every single guy that I see or meet or date is gonna be the one that's gonna fuck me before we get married. See, that's the, the, the ignorant part about it. And also the ignorant tradition that I have been in, you know, told that I should obey blindly. It's part of their inherited beliefs and traditions that, um, you should never talk to any guy until you get married. As though getting married in the first place is like an arranged marriage. And you only get to see your partner when you're about to get married. What the fuck kind of thinking is that? Like, what the fuck kind of... Doesn't make sense. And it's against nature. Against the natural you know, order and law. But, um, and, and that is hugely, hugely limiting because then you would think to yourself as a girl and you think to yourself, um, well, maybe I'm not gonna date anyone because everyone is gonna rape me and everyone's gonna fuck me, so I might as well save myself until I meet the right guy who's gonna fuck me when we get married. And that limits your potential of meeting people, even. And limits your potential of getting to know the wrong person from the right and your ability to distinguish between toxic behavior and healthy behavior. And distinguish between a toxic, consuming, uh, harmful relationship and a fruitful, healthy, balanced relationship that's going to make both of you happy. So thinking with the vagina, basically. Instead of with the brain and with the logic. And, and there's this an, another thing, like, when you reach a certain age, for us girls, then you will be eligible to get, to get engaged and get married. What the fuck? <laughs> like, when you're 25 is where your ideal age for marriage. I will accept no earlier and no later than 25. You must get married at 25. And I'm like, what? How? 
Why? What the fuck? How's that even possible? What if I don't meet the right guy and, and, until I'm like 30? You never know what the fuck's gonna happen in the future. I don't know what's gonna happen either, so... Why are you making just su superstitious deadlines over things you don't, don't even understand? And they talk about fate and destiny, and they talk about a lot of that. But when it comes to real life, practical real life examples and experiences, it's crickets everywhere. <laughs> and the other example, if you're a guy, if you're a guy, um, the vagina has to beat the dick, okay? My brother, my brother had a German girlfriend, and I can pretty much say that they had a lot of fun together, they were dating, etc. So, and this, here's the thing, when you're a guy, you're supposed, you're, you're looked at as the predator. You're, you're looked at as this person who rapes. And this person who will take someone's virginity. So you have to be careful and you also have to tame your desires and your control and control everything and do not rape any girl before you get married. And again, just him talking to my narcissistic mother about this topic of relationships and everything, he could never reach a clear conclusion with her because she would guilt trip him and give him these condescending comments and remarks over the types of women that uh, he should meet. That women of a certain culture, of a certain religion, are whores, generally, and no exception. And girls from a, this culture and this um, tradition and this point of view of life and this religion are clean and heavenly and saint-like. So with that culture and this culture and our family, she literally threatened him like this. You either have to choose between this culture and our family will stay with you or the other culture, but I will disown you. It wasn't even hidden. I mean, of course, you know, the shared secret of everyone. It was known by everyone at that point. But also, nobody talked about it ever since. Until later, uh, he was convinced he should look for... To date other girls from... Who are Muslim and who are Arabic and, you know. So, forget about Germans and forget about them whores, because everyone is a whore in Germany, you know, just, and, uh, you see how limiting that is, really, really limiting, and what they do is, they talk about particular experiences where only catastrophes happened, 
only a bad example. And they will make sure they will emphasize the emotion in it. They will cry, they will pound the table, they will slam the door. And you will be terrified of what's gonna come to you at that point because you're looking at all this, you're aware of all this violence going on in, in the tone of voice, in the slamming of the door, in the banging on the table, in the tears, in the tearing of the, you know, the hair. It's so violent and creepy and scary. And what that's gonna do to you is that's gonna be afraid. And it's gonna make you freeze. Because then you're not gonna have the sane mind of thinking logically and perhaps even deviating from what has been saying to you and expressing your own opinions. No, that's not, a, that's never allowed. That's never allowed. And so they limit you, they limit your potential, even in the future partner. And, and eventually your sexuality. And that when you are particular in any way, shape or form, LGBT for example, you're ostracized. You're disowned, basically. And that's the end of you, you're over with. And, 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 and in normal families, supposedly, they would be there for you no matter what. They would still love you unconditionally, no matter how you look, no matter how you feel, no matter who you're with. It doesn't matter. It, it, they're gonna love you regardless. And by the way, back to the teeth thing of mine, um, they wanted to show and perform their scene where they will were quote-unquote loving me unconditionally because when I had ugly teeth which made my smile ugly and which made my confidence dig itself a grave um they would uh, like quote-unquote uplift me and encourage me and tell me my smile is nice and I look fine and when obviously it was gaslighting. So just just a clarification there. But unconditional love isn't also occasional. Unconditional love should be consistent. It should be a pattern that's always present, regardless of the situation, regardless of the 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 the, the people, the places, the times, whatever. But the thing that abnormal, sick, twisted minds family do, families do is that they don't understand that there is such thing as unconditional love. They only believe in the conditional type of love. The love that only shows up when you're obeying them. Otherwise, you're limited. Financially, socially, sexually, and I don't know what else I mentioned, I forgot. <laughs> I think most likely emotionally? Yeah, you're definitely, oh my god, you're definitely emotionally crippled even. Cutting your limbs out and watching you crawl until the finish, the finish line of the race. Just let them enjoy. 
a few more years of you struggling to get to the finish line of the race. My god, wow. They will emotionally cripple you when whenever they see some sort of a glimpse of possible success. I heard yesterday my golden child sister telling my enabler dad literally in front of me when we were talking about the potential of me entering a program at a private university probably change a bachelor's degree do a do study in a domain that's actually in demand highly in demand right now um is that she told him these words what's gonna guarantee that she's gonna succeed i mean This is the golden child right here. This is this is one lunatic example of what I have to deal with, what I have to suffer from. And at the time I was quiet of course, but thinking about it later on made me think that the golden child is never going to change, you know, because she's always put on the pedestal. First place And when she's put on a pedestal for first place, she's never going to mind she's never going to mind looking at the scapegoat child as nothing but a loser, nothing but a person who's going to fail and never going to succeed. And never given a second chance to perform better hopefully and hopefully, you know, to improve their education and improve their potential of getting um a decently paying job at 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 a place where she's respected and people love her and she's successful and she has healthy connections with people and where it's in demand and she's never going to have to worry about where to apply and whom to apply you know because the job's always going to be there as it's as it's high in demand but no no you never hear the you never hear that coming out of a golden 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 child's mouth no no and what's and what proves my point even further the fact that my father is an enabler and a huge one and one that will never change Cause he also agreed with what she said when when he said also that I am an average student and I I haven't had excellent grades and that I failed a few subjects which were difficult in my college year already. Wow. Honestly, I'm really really impressed. You know. Wow. <laughs> I mean, how long did it take them to say that? Wow. No words of encouragement. They just put you down and dig you a hole and watch you get out of it. And they're never going to help you out of it because they like seeing you there. They like seeing you drown in the quicksand. and it's it's just 
and they cripple you and they slow you down and when they criticize you and when you have those stares and their and those comments and those um condescending judgmental remarks the whole time what do you expect and gaslighting also of course i had bad grades because of that because along with the bullying that i had to deal with every day at school i also had to deal with the bullying at home not to mention I was on my own this whole fucking time, regardless. So it doesn't matter anymore. To me. Because I have been on my own this whole fucking time ever since I was born. You would still have to be fiercely independent and you still have to... Um, make your own money and be financially independent everything if you ever dare to ask them for financial support you should be on your own because the world is a terrible place and the people everywhere are bad and they're terrible and they're scary and they're dangerous and you should be on your own and never have any friends You know this this confusing thing. It's the double bind that I also uh, saw on Terramine Tree's YouTube channel, which I also recommend you watching. Having friends. So what's what they'll say is something contradictory like this: You shouldn't have friends because the world is a terrible, scary, dangerous place, and you should be on your own. But you should and must absolutely. Take permission from us when it comes to your future. Future career, future partner, future choices, decisions, whatever. Future feelings, future thoughts, what the fuck ever. You must absolutely ask us for everything and anything that you want to have if you want our support. Because if you don't ask, nobody will help you because nobody is going to know what you want. But the thing is, that's the contradictory message, is that they ask you to have no friends and have friends at the same time. So you're like, which is it? I'm confused. And then um, they tell you also that it's never right. It's never right. The timing is never right. The place is never right. Nothing is right. Nothing. And no matter how hard you try, they're never going to be convinced. Because they choose to. Because they want you to try hard, die trying, basically. They want you to die trying to convince them. When they don't see the shit from your eyes. When they don't see shit from your own point of view. When they don't consider things the way you do. They're never gonna, they never have, and they never do. And so the only choice that you are supposed to have eventually, logically, is that you're going to have to rely on yourself. Because they left you on your own, and 
logically, you're going to have to be on your own. But wait a second. It's not the right time to be on your own. Now you need to go back to us and take permission from us. And you need our help. And you need our advice. And you need our opinion. So at this point, you'd be like, Bitch, you thought. I don't know what the fuck to do. And I'm stuck. And I don't know. So, 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 so. They will never stop making you hesitate all the time. All the freaking time. They want you to go forward, and then they want you to stop and take a step back, and then they want you to go further, and then they want you to step back and step way back, and then it's messy and it's all over the place, and you don't know what to do from, from there. It's seriously damaging and, and crippling and, and deteriorating. These degenerates. And it's mentally, physically, sexually, socially, financially, everything is exhausting. It's consuming. And they're never satisfied with whatever it is you do. Never. These sick people. Never. And it's the double binds. It's this. It's the double contradicting messages that you keep getting all your life, and no wonder they affect your personality, and your, they affect the way that you look at things, and they affect the way that you make your goddamn decisions. But now that I think about it, and now that I'm memorizing my personal bill of rights, and I reckon, recommend you revise your personal bill of rights as well. You have the fucking right to make decisions. You have the right to do that. Actually, it's right number... Um... Yeah, eight. I have a right to make decisions on my own. And I have a right to recognize my own value system as appropriate. I have a right to determine and honor my own priorities. I have a right to have my own needs and wants respected by others. I have a right to not be responsible for other people's behaviors, actions, feelings, or problems. I have a right to all my feelings. I have a right to take care of myself no matter what. I have a right to be around a non-abusive environment. And obviously, I'm jumping between the rides here and not reading them in their correct order. But you know that you get the gist. We have these rights taken from us. We have had them taken away from us for the longest time. And we never realized it. And so now it's time to take back that power and to stop their bullshit. So, I hope that helps. I do hope that you enjoyed 
me rambling in this episode. And I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed recording. Please don't hesitate to support this podcast if you want to see it successful, if you want to see it thrive. You guys are a huge, huge, important um, role and factor in the success of this podcast. So please, if you have any sort of contribution you want to do, either once in a lifetime or once every month, even just one dollar, it'll be more than enough really it will be really appreciated of and very much, very much will be done a favor for and shouted out for. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much, and I'll see you in the next episode. So, folks, that's a wrap for this episode, and as you can guess, this is my goodbye speech. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I hope you found this episode enlightening to some degree. You can always like, comment, favorite, share, and even subscribe to this podcast here on Anchor FM or any other platform where, where you'll find my podcast available, like Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Acast, Radio Public, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and recently I've added my podcast in TuneIn as well as Red Circle. That's where you'll find my podcast also available. I'd also appreciate your support for a very small monthly fee. If you have any topic suggestions, questions, some feedback you'd like to share, don't hesitate to send me a brief voice message and I'll take care of that. So to conclude, this was Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maram, and I will see you in the next episode.